Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I am speaking to you from Orange County, California, and I'm talking to Seth Rodney and Stephen Fullwood. Gentlemen, hey. how are you doing? Hey, good afternoon. <laughs> Stephen uh, is this... British today. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I get tired of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is Seth. I'm speaking to you from the Bronx, the... Um, the South Bronx, South, South Bronx, South Bronx, goes something like that, right? Um, um, yeah, I know, I, uh, old 80s tune. Um, I'm an editor at Hyperallergic and adjunct faculty member at Parsons School of Design. And I'm tired, y'all. I'm just glad to get to the end of the fall. You can hear it in your voice. Mm. So. Yeah. Mm. Glad you're, you're glad you're at near the finish line. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Stephen G. Fullwood. I am the co-founder of Nomadic Archivist Project, and we work with folks who are interested in discovering, archiving their resources through oral histories, genealogy, and so forth. I'm coming to you from Harlem, and I am not a role model. <laughs> Simply because I dunk a basketball does not mean I should raise your kids. <laughs> so this is to remind our listeners that what we try to do here is practice a form of intellectual intimacy. We try and give ourselves the space to understand one another and to be understood. Uh, and Stephen just uh, prefaced our topic today uh, pretty artfully, actually. So role models. We're going to talk about role models today. Uh, so Stephen. Surely. Uh, you take it Off away. To the races, go. <laughs> so, <laughs> so to encapsulate this, a role model is a person whose behavior, example, or success is or can be emulated by others, especially by younger people. It's a mm. term that um, Robert K. Merton came up with. Uh, Robert the, King Merton, mm-hmm. ah, the, the towering sociologist, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. along with the glass ceiling, networking, mentoring, gatekeeper. These terms mm-hmm. really didn't have a lot of currency until, say, maybe the 1990s. Mm-hmm. Um, and around 1993, that's when you get the Charles Barkley quote from the Nike mm-hmm. ad, mm-hmm. you know, I am not a role model. And everyone was sort of angry about that. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking back then that it was, I didn't understand, I understand roles and models, I think, separately as an Mm. idea. (laughs) And Mm. then as a role model, I felt like, well, growing up African-American male, there were people we should be emulating, doctors, lawyers, Mm. and so forth. And Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be any of those things. Mm -hmm. And so, but then I was a children's librarian around that time, and I was being told that I was a role model because I walked around with a tie and I had a job. Mm. And so I was kind of with Charles Barkley, you know, I wasn't dunking basketball, I was putting books on shelves, but I'm not a role model either. People don't need role models, they need the space to blossom and grow and be Mm. fuller human beings. So So, so here's one of the things I really like about you, Stephen. You are the kind of radical human being who will actually like dressed the part of being that kind of uh, person that other people will say, oh, you should emulate him. Like, there he is. Like, that's the guy. But then when, you, when, you, when people talk to you, you're like, no, 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 no. You need to not do that. You actually, you, you do the more <laughs> radical thing of saying, no, 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 no. You don't need to follow this template. You just need to figure out who you are and be given the space to like blossom and grow. Sneak so, attack. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and 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 I mean, I think in a, and I think in a lot of ways, like I mean, that's one of the things I've always valued about Travis too is that Travis mm-hmm. looks the part of like the sort of stand up, like you know, um, 
God and country ex-marine kind of like, <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, and then you, and then he opens his mouth and you're like, what the hell? It's <laughs> 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 like, radical this stuff that just came out of there. Like, oh, philosopher shit. Guy. <laughs> like what? Like there's a like America's wounded and the races the separating. Uh, 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 it's a construct. Yeah, it's like a what? Yeah. Um, I think. I mean, I I I take your point, Stephen. I think that. Mm-hmm. There's a way in which you have the wherewithal to resist being formulated in that way, right? Mm -hmm. Rhetorically be formulated Mm -hmm. by other people. But I actually more fundamentally disagree with you because I don't think Mm -hmm. that you get to choose to not be a role model. I think that what happens is you exist in a a social world, as Robert Mm -hmm. King Martin would um, more eloquently talk about. Um, you exist in this matrix in which you, by being visible as a black man wearing a tie and being articulate, having a mm-hmm. job, like you, the, the thing is thrust upon you. Like mm-hmm. it's not, it's, it's unavoidable. Like mm-hmm. you can say, as Charles Barkley did, I'm not a role model, but you don't get to say it. Like in, more, in a really fundamental way. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I do. I get that. I think that. I would tell myself the same thing, I think, (laughs) in the sense that what you put out in the universe belongs to everyone else. Mm. And you have some idea and some some way to shape it, but not really, you know, because people are bringing their own ideas and perceptions. And also we're talking about survival. We're talking about the idea that if you follow these rules, you'll be safe. Right. And well, that's not necessarily true, but at least it gives you a script. But it's mm-hmm. a noble lie, right? Like we talked oh, about like, um, a uh, several mm-hmm. several episodes back. Um, it's the noble lie has its uses, like, and especially when you're talking about survivalist techniques, right? Especially for for young black men, for especially for let's let's widen it out for marginalized yeah. for marginalized communities, right? For people mm-hmm. who are whose life chances are kind of from the get go curtailed within this particular socioeconomic, political uh, Mm -hmm. sphere, that for these people, the stakes are really high. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I I, I, I think that actually being generous enough, and it's hard, I get it, but being generous enough when you are in a position to act as a kind of role model for someone, to actually take that on and say, okay, it's not something I would like to do, but I'm going to do this anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to make myself available as that kind of model template for someone else because it, the need is so great. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Travis, so, please come in. Yeah, something. well, so I, I I didn't I didn't jump in sooner because I I basically like would just put another period on the end of what Seth said. Like I think it just mm-hmm. doesn't. I mean, there there will be a caveat coming, but I, I don't think it matters whether you want to be a role model. Mm-hmm. Um, you just are by the nature of being a socially embedded primate. Like you just mm-hmm. younger people are going to emulate what you do or someone like you are going to emulate someone like you. Now, I I don't necessarily I, – I think – so here's the thing. I think that that's sort of just – 
baseline, it doesn't matter. You can never cast that off. It's just what it means to be human. But I think that there are a variety of ways to express that. And I think by saying I am not a role model is, in fact, one way to viably go about doing that. Mm. And the, the example mm-hmm. that that I that came to mind when you were talking about Charles Barkley um, and, you know, in this idea of, of trying to promote a more radical freedom was Jiddu Krishnamurti, who, um, you know, the uh, was a theo- theosophist, part of the, the- ah. Theosophical Society mm-hmm. uh, and was, like, discovered on a beach in India and um, was supposed to be the next Maitreya, the next great world teacher. And I forget how old he was, but in 20s, 18, I mean, very, quite young. But he gave a he gave a, a pretty a famous in that world a fair a fairly famous speech in which he said, "Don't follow me. Truth is a pathless land, mm. um, okay. and that and that you cannot follow anyone to the mm-hmm. truth. That mm. there is it's there's fundamentally if you are following someone to the truth, you are already astray." Mm-hmm. Um, and this was this was the note he played his entire life. Of course, while mm-hmm. you know. Having an untold number of acolytes and right. a ranch built for him, and all this, and I, and I don't, and I don't, mean, and and I don't mean to cast aspersions on that. Like you know, people are going to do what they're going to do, and True. so, um, but, but I think that there's, I think that you that one has to just be okay with that reality. And then mm-hmm. play play that role however you want to play that role. Mm-hmm. I, being an iconoclast is a very valuable thing in mm-hmm. society. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't. I guess mm-hmm. that ultimately I see them in tension, but I don't see them as contradictory. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I'm reading a book right now called "Fucked Up Reader," and what it is, it's okay. a combination. Great, t- great title. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It collects a lot of um, narratives from people in the punk movement, specifically in. Um, Los Angeles, uh, San Francisco, and a few other places, and it's in between these um, these oral histories, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, from the from the um, band from the band leaders, band members, uh, promoters, and so forth. They've got posters, mm-hmm. uh, these do-it-yourself posters that a lot of punk movements, I mean, a lot of punks did, you know, to kind of promote their stuff. And this was obviously before the internet. Mm-hmm. And one of the writer himself, Brian um, Ray Tacot, the guy who kind of brought it all together wrote a book called Kill Your Idols. And mm-hmm. I want to read that book, right? Mm-hmm. Because I'm very excited about pulling and thinking more about the role model thing in a, in a different way, you know, mm. because right now one of the guys in the book actually says, remember when you sat around with all those hippies and they would say, oh, it wasn't like it was back when I was growing up. And he goes, right. now you're sitting with punks, former punks, and they're saying mm-hmm. exactly the same thing mm-hmm. and how things kind of come around, right? Yeah, but yeah. these I, men and women mentioned all of these role models, these people that they followed, but mm-hmm. then the people that they didn't want to follow, which were, you know, the mainstream and they didn't want to do that, but the mainstream kind of came and co-opted the movement in a way in terms mm-hmm. of its dress and its... And to be clear, the mainstream makes that possible, right? I mean, so the, even that, I mean, that is intention. Like, this is mm-hmm. a symbiotic relationship. Absolutely. Like, you need you need an establishment to rebel against. Rebel against. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't be a shaman alone. Like, right. you can only no. be a shaman alone in relation to 
the village that you are, you know, right. the, the community that you are forsaking and that you're abandoning. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, I mean, this is the underlying premise in, in most renunciate uh, communities in relationship mm-hmm. to the larger church, right? So, right. yeah, you have these kind of select people that go off into caves or abbeys or whatever, and they go and they, mm-hmm. they contemplate the nature of the universe or God, uh, the Buddha, whatever, what, what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the understanding is that, that those truths then get, you know, kind of distilled back into society. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I understand that there are a number of people that reject that altogether and want to tear down the whole thing. You know, I, I think yeah. of like, you know, Graham Greene's The Destructors, you know, the, the short oh, story yeah. The Destructors. I mean, so I, I get that. That's not where I stand, right? Mm-hmm. I, that's not where I'm at. But, um, but I do get that. Uh, kill your idols. Uh, mm-hmm. That feeling. It's a, also it's a it's a take on a Zen koan, which is if you meet the Buddha on the road, kill him. Kill him. Mm. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, I mean, this. Yeah, I, I just I just don't. Say, I mean, it's just reiterating what I said earlier. They're clearly mm. intention, but they are not. Um, they're antagonists in a story. Um, they're not like particles of matter and antimatter that annihilate one another. Right, 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 right. So, so let's get down to brass tacks a bit, because I think... Um, <laughs> Sefford antimatter is like, we're getting way too abstract. Uh, <laughs> uh, floaty, floaty, antimatter. Yeah. <laughs> Which I appreciate. Thank you, Seth. Yeah, we actually, sh- we actually should do a podcast where we're just like smoking out the whole time. Like, just, get, just get blunted up and just do I it. I can get behind that. Yes. Yeah, word. Um, <laughs> But getting down to the nitty gritty, I'd like to hear from both of you what your role models were mm. growing up. Great um, question, Steven. Great question. We can start wow. with you. Yeah. That was my question to you guys. Okay, yeah, so okay. I'll answer, okay. I'll, um, I'll answer since you asked first. And that so when I was younger, mm. I remember um, loving musicians, seventies mm. big band musicians, mm-hmm. and I did try to become a musician. It it did not take. Um, and no, no patience for practice or any of that. Mm-hmm. Then I remember really, really loving Prince and the Prince aesthetic and that he was mm-hmm. different every album and the music mm-hmm. was, oh, you're singing about having sex with your sister. Oh, you know, and so <laughs> that, that got me riled up in my 16 years, you know, my um, right. teenage years. Right. And then I started to really, really love black women writers of the, like the late sixties into the eighties. So we're talking Tony K. Bombard, Tony Morrison, Alice mm-hmm. Walker, Mm-hmm. And Sonia Sanchez, um, Nikki Giovanni, these people really kind of inspired me, along mm-hmm. with Amiri Baraka, James Baldwin. Mm-hmm. But they weren't really role models. They were inspiring. I didn't exp- want to be them. Mm-hmm. I couldn't write like them. I needed to write like myself. Mm-hmm. And so there were people whose work inspired me. And I don't know how close to the role model thing that actually is. Right. Do you know, mm-hmm. or if it's in it, you know, and so maybe you guys can help me clarify or move towards some clarity about that. But mm-hmm. um, then I thought about the men in my neighborhood who I felt embodied a certain kind of masculinity that I thought was really, um, really um, beautiful and effortless. Mm-hmm. You know, I, mm-hmm. I can romanticize about what it was like because I was outside of it, but mm-hmm. it seemed like they had the man thing going. And I like mm-hmm. that. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, that's what we're doing? Okay, good. Okay, I'll walk like this. <laughs> you know, oh, what's up, brother? Yeah, what's up, baby? Yeah. You know, yeah, I yeah. like that that kind of um, flexibility. And I was like, oh, I like that. I like that. But mm-hmm. I couldn't really think of a role model. Mm-hmm. I thought of people who inspired me to do work yeah. and, and demanded that I tell my own story or tell the story of my families. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it made me work. So yeah. what, what about you guys? 
After you, Travis. Please. Uh, okay. So mm. uh, I I actually really appreciate uh, what Steph, uh, what uh, Stephen just said because I. <laughs> I feel the same way in that I, I really can't think of anyone's life that I've thought I want to live that life, mm-hmm. um, which is probably why I meandered to so many different things, you know, th- through my adult life. Um, but certainly is figures that have inspired me to work and to do something. Um, people clearly are on that list. Uh, Samuel Johnson would be one of them. Um, the British writer who wrote the first comprehensive English dictionary. I, I mean, while he was, uh, you know, he was basically poor, he literally wrote for his supper um, and started one of the first English magazines, The Rambler, um, not oh, the very nice. first, uh, but um, basically had his whole life had no had no money, uh, but took under contract this for, I, I don't remember the sum, but not very much money to write a dictionary and did it while mm. he was writing some of the uh, most remarkably compressed English essays that the language has ever produced. Mm. Um, so, I mean, that that kind of like focus and brilliance and dedication and obstinance um, mm-hmm. is inspiring to me. Uh, James Baldwin um, for the for the for one particular thing i mean he's he's an incredible writer obviously unbelievably powerful orator uh articulate but but there is one thing that i find absolutely um just jaw-droppingly inspirational about him and it's actually one of the things that led me to do the american age which is that in spite of the concision with which he could call out the injustices in America in spite of the fact that he had a front row seat for all of it, right? We're not talking about, you know, people born in the 1980s or 90s that, you know, can like look back on these images and videos of how uh, blacks and marginalized communities, I mean, he was in it, right? I mean, he was there and and homosexual on top of that. Mm -hmm. In spite of all of those things, Mm -hmm. he still had a measure of hope. Oh yeah. About about and and about oh, yeah. what about what he could do mm. as a um as a writer, as an artist, mm. uh, about what might eventually be, be possible uh in the United States. Uh, and so mm. that um uh, he would be on my list. I thought you were going to say love, but hope is there. Mm. Yeah, I thought you were going to say love because love, that's sure y- yes, absolutely. You know, you know to why be able just, to witness that way. Um, Do you know, I, I shy from that word, um, okay. uh, not consciously, but subconsciously, because for me, it's freighted with with so much about mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, kind of a naive, not not the way that you use it, Stephen, but there's a kind of naivety mm-hmm. about a certain kind of whiteness that I oh, real like really okay. like like. Eh, Oh, no, nope. wow. no, nope. yeah. L- love is not going to enfranchise black voters. Sorry, <laughs> like, no, oh. <laughs> like, well, so that, that, okay. that's that's why True. I shy away from that. True that. So, yeah, yeah, wow, yeah, that 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 makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I, yeah. I I actually do the same thing, sort of on um on Facebook and um, Twitter. I think when people say, you know, love will win, love will win, I'm like, really? <laughs> when, when has it? When, yeah. when has it? When does love ever wow. Like, really? <laughs> um, 
So I think this is one of the ways in which you all and I are really brothers from different mamas because <laughs> I feel the same way. Like I, I, there are no people in my life who I can point to at any point in my development and say, point to at any stage in my development and say, mm. oh, that's the person I want to live like. Um, yeah. there, there are aspects of people's lives when I was growing up. I thought, oh, wow, I would like to be able to do that like Sting can. Like, you right. know, maybe, oh, I'd like to be able to like have what this person has or have access to these resources, whatever. But mm -hmm. the heroes for me, I think, I think that's what I'm comfortable with calling these people, were, again, like both of you, were initially at the moment when I sort of came into knowledge of myself as a developing consciousness, like someone who mm. wasn't just tied to the religious story that my parents and my school and my church kept telling me, right? Wow. That basically I was this sort of, sort of appendage of the will of God. Like once I like kind of got out from under that and started to see myself as like my own person, the people that were heroes to me were, I mean, the first absolutely was Sylvia Plath. Because mm, for me, okay. there were, I, I, and I remember this very, I haven't told this story in a long time, but I, I had this moment when, um, you know, 16, I think it was, yeah, I, was th I think it was 16. Mm -hmm. And just don't know what to do with myself, right? Mm -hmm. Just like curious, nerdy, skinny, mm. um, terribly socially awkward, didn't know what to do with myself. Mm -hmm. I went on this date and I remember just being kind of like, whatever, like shell-shocked, like just like, <laughs> okay. it just didn't go well and I just kind of <laughs> didn't know what to do with myself and I was just really upset. And of course I couldn't talk to my parents because they were not good at that. They yeah. just they mm -hmm. emotionally weren't um, very capable. Yeah. Um, I opened up and thank God for, um, uh, or thank the gods for um, <laughs> liberal, liberal arts education because mm. my mom happened to be getting her registered, she was studying to becoming, to, towards becoming a registered nurse. Mm -hmm. She was going to Hunter and they made her take liberal arts mm. courses. So mm. she happened to have a copy of Sylvia Plath's Ariel. Wow. In the like library at home, and so there were a couple of those books I'd already gone through. Um, like I, I read of Mice and Men because it was there. I mm -hmm. think maybe Catcher in the Rye was there, but I'm not sure about that. And definitely Mice and Men, and The Pearl and the Red Pony by um, um, Steinbeck, and mm -hmm. Old Man and the Sea by Hemingway. And I didn't love any of those, but I read, I was upset from this date that didn't work out. And I came home and I read Fever 103 Degrees. And it just spoke to me. It just, mm -hmm. it like, this woman, like, I felt she got me. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until later that I found out, like, you know, the whole marriage to Ted Hughes and killed herself right. and la, mm -hmm. la, la. But man, when I read her poetry, I was like, what? Like I like what? Like, um, what's what's she has this line from Morning Song, um, the midwife slapped your foot soles and your bald cry took its place among the elements. It's just like she has mm. a command of language. Mm -hmm. When she um, in, in another poem she has this line, um, 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 
Let's see how the how does that poem go? The Sunday lamb cracks in his fat, the fat sacrifices its opacity. A window holy gold. Um uh uh I'm forgetting the rest of it or the middle of it. But it come but it gets down to like the last few stanzas and she says, um, um the mm, uh trying to remember it. The the ovens glowed like heavens, incandescent. It is a heart, this holocaust I walk in. Oh, golden child, the world will kill and eat. Like, oh, I was like, what? So, <laughs> so I basically lived through those poems for the next like year and a half. And that's what yeah. took me to, to taking a poetry workshop and working towards becoming a poet myself. That's mm -hmm. what took me back to undergrad to get a degree in English finally um, after you know trying to go to uh, school twice and just kind of just failing out. Mm -hmm. um, went back at 23 and it was the writers. It was the writers that were my heroes. It was the people mm -hmm. like eventually mm -hmm. like F. Scott Fitzgerald, it definitely James Baldwin, but it started with the poets. It started with Plath, um, mm -hmm. and then you know uh. I branched off and I you know, read lots of other. There are lots of poets I, I've fallen in love with. Subsequently, Philip Levine mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, is definitely. Joy Graham is definitely up there. Um, uh, I I they're heroes for me because they modeled a kind of intellectual. Um, I guess the word is prowess. Like mm -hmm. they, they found a way to be in the world that was coextensive with what they were interested in and what mm -hmm. they were good at. And okay. I took a long time to find my way there. Like I, you know, okay. I, I, it wasn't really until my forties that things began to gel. And what I found is that the way I write about art um you know i got an mfa in in, in studio art um, mm -hmm. but didn't but didn't didn't find studio practice at all to be like what i wanted to do to do or be in the world but writing about art coming from that poetry background mm -hmm. okay um actually makes me a unique kind of writer mm -hmm. because i think about what I see to a certain extent in poetic mm -hmm. terms. Okay. Like I, I use that kind of language to get mm -hmm. at what I experience in the visual art scene. Um, so yeah, I mean, those having those heroes, these heroes um, are just, they're, they're invaluable. Like you can't, mm -hmm. like I cannot, yeah. I can't, I literally cannot imagine what my life would be like if I hadn't mm -hmm. discovered Sylvia Plath at sixteen, uh, like I, have, I, I have no idea. Like, and 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 I should say, plus walking into MoMA at seventeen and seeing uh, Louis Louis Bourgeois um, Sleeper Two in, mm -hmm. in, in the sort of greatest hits gallery, or seeing um, um, unique forms of continuity in space by Umberto Boccioni, the Italian futurist, mm -hmm. like these works. I was, uh, again, I had that moment of like, what? Like, I didn't know you could do that. Like, I didn't, okay. I didn't, I had no idea that this was possible. So in a way, like the, 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 those, he those heroes, um, again, to quote another poet, um, Mark Doty. Um, mm, yeah. Um, he says in Ararat, um, 
though, um, though my childhood became an immense sheet of darkening water, um, um, uh, I was Noah and I was his ark, and there were two of every animal inside me. And I feel like those, mm. those mm -hmm. heroes were like that, like that for me. Like they, they kind of took up residence in me. So I mm -hmm. was like, I became that arc that like carried all these people with me mm. forward into the life that I could mm -hmm. be living, you know, that I oh, had yeah. to discover for myself. Two, two things that I want to uh, add to, uh, to what both you and Seth did that I became slightly self-conscious about, uh, and mostly it was just because of time. Uh, I definitely have female role models, uh, and the two Subtle that immediately, mm -hmm. the two that uh, immediately came to mind uh, was Carolee Schneeman, uh, who, mm. the artist who did Meet Joy is probably mm -hmm. the most famous one. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the, uh, she recently just passed away, but uh, the Islamicist uh, Patricia Crone, Mm. Um, who was at the the Prince at uh, Institute for Advanced Study in Princeton uh, and did some of the most path breaking iconoclastic work on the history of Islam mm. uh, in the world um, wow. and uh, you know at a time that you know female scholars were not very prevalent in Islamic <laughs> studies um, and did it in her way and did it brilliantly. Um, mm, so, wow. mm. um, yeah, so we probably, um, probably coming towards the end. Stephen, do you want to so. wrap us up? Do you want to wrap us up? Since you, you, you propose the topic, you let us into it. So, yeah. well, kind of keeping, um, with this idea of maybe not role models crossed out, but like people that influence us, mm. I, I would, I can say this, um, quite um, easily that both of you and the way that you approach things isn't, it's like a weekly dose of being inspired about things that I don't know. <laughs> Thank you very much. Framing ideas in ways that I'm like, oh, you can do that. Kind of like just I've said, you can do that. Um, and so I love that because it is, it pushes me to my, that gold spot, those, well, I won't use gold. I'll say that it pushes me to my best thinking and my best mm. feeling about things. And I really enjoy that when people do that. So I look forward to these conversations. Mm. Boom. Nice. All right. Well, thank you very much. All thank right. you, Stephen. Yeah. Gentlemen. As always, thank you for the conversation. Indeed. And uh, we'll talk to you uh, next time when, we, when our topic is we revisit the topic of unlucky days. So uh, thanks, everyone, for uh, the day. Okay. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye.